God, we just watched Space Jam with my with my kids. With the it's new one or the old one? The old one. It's a oh, it's amazing. Movie. Oh, it's I mean, amazing. It's so good, but it's just about? like I mean, it's just like so crazy. Michael Jordan's like not a good actor. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode one seventy of Sprint, a UX podcast your source for weekly UX, product, and tech news. My name is Jesse Weaver, and with me is... Alex Hoffman, and also joining us today is... Michael Dusing. What's up, the the gentlemen? The gentleman. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Super, super swell. Super swell. Mega Kicking swell. It. Kicking it old school. Yeah, what's new? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, making things happen. I it is mid June and I have still not planted my garden, so I'm disappointed in myself. We had like monsoon season where I couldn't plant anything because it was raining every day, and then now we're in like heat wave season. Yeah, so you missed you missed the window. I planted s- some flowers and. <clears throat> They say like full sun, and then I went out there, and my poppy that bloomed that morning was just torched that I, in the evening. <laughs> just looked like a shriveled up yeah. ball of sadness. I feel like full sun in Colorado can mean desert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, more and more people doing the zero scape with cacti and things. I don't blame them. Yep. Cool, cool. Um, speaking of things dying inside, uh <laughs> my soul got, what are we talking about that. today uh we're talking about the death of the human world um no we're talking about um the evolution from human curation to computer curation of content on the interwebs jesse you gave a good lowdown to me on what that means so can you state that yeah, totally. And just for context, so this came from, we'll post a link. There was a New York Times opinion video that was posted and it basically posited that the the Facebook news feed, the Facebook shift to news feed, they called it the end of the internet. Um, and it basically sparked this like new world of computer AI driven uh, recommendations. So human curation would be, so for example, like Twitter a long, long time ago, you would follow people on Twitter and what you would see in your feed were the things that they either tweeted, retweeted, or, you know, I think at that point, I think it was just tweets and retweets. Anyway, so there was some human intermediary, right? But you were making choices about who you followed. And it was very, very clear why the things you were seeing um, were showing up, right? And then newsfeed, when they made this newsfeed change, it all became algorithmically driven. So, you know, all these different variables, your likes, your people you follow, the things you've read, whatever get fed into this huge matrix multiplication where a computer figures out what it thinks you should see and shows you, shows you those things. And as they say in the video, which is true, no one can ever then really explain why you're seeing what you're seeing. And so it became this sort of like opaque experience as to like what's showing up and, and why. So that's the, that's sort of the distinction. 
Yeah, what was really interesting about that was that they launched Newsfeed and the, the reaction was just insanely negative. Everyone on Facebook was like, down with Newsfeed, we hate this. But what they saw was like engagement went up like three or 400% or something like that. So they kept it and kept going with it. And then it's kind of shaped all of our experiences now. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, your Google search results, Facebook. I'm sure a bunch of like Pinterest, I'm sure too, all these other ones. So to give this a little bit of uh, time context, the I just looked up when Facebook introduced the newsfeed concept in the first place. September 5th, 2006 mm-hmm. is when the newsfeed came to Facebook. Um, at that point in time, I guess it opened up to the public before that, but early Facebook when I was a part of it was just university specific. Like I had friends who went to a different college in Iowa where I went to college. I went to Iowa state, go state. Um, and friends went to university of Iowa and we had different Facebooks. Like we couldn't talk to each other at that point. Um, and then later they started tying universities together. That's super interesting. Because I didn't, I wasn't on Facebook when it was just college driven. I just thought it was like you were on if you were in college. I didn't realize they like siloed you by university. And that's like originally school Facebook. Yeah, originally it was siloed by university. I think, I think before I graduated college is when they made them all connected. And at that point, it was kind of if you were in college, because that was their primary market and where they already had a footing. But um, I don't know if, because in order to get on Facebook, when we got on, this is going deep, sorry, um, was you had to have a university email that was at the specific university address um, in order to create an account. And there was an interim step between that and the newsfeed, and that was the timeline. And that's yes. what everybody got used to. And that's like the right. model Instagram followed for the longest time was a, a linear sequence of posts by it was, from people that you follow or are friends with or whatever. Yes. And you would never see anything from anyone that you didn't follow. Right. Um, and I don't know at that point that you could choose who it was displayed to on right. any platform right, right but i think especially on facebook so, i think it was contained to your following your followers yes right. twitter i think just like anybody could see anything but one thing that was driven by followers sorry go ahead max Alex. no yeah uh one thing that was interesting about that video though was like what you were mentioning earlier it was it uh we were like explorers and what, what did they all say? Um, yeah, yeah. they talked about the early web as like explorers, right? And you were like, they talk about geo, like geocities and like, you know, you could create these worlds of your own and everyone was just like sort of bouncing around finding everybody's world and grouping up that way. Right, and I think that's super interesting because that's what, that's what sucked me into the internet originally. Like I wanted to build a computer and knew nothing about it and was able to, I can't remember the name of the, the forum I found. It might've been like PC Magazine or something. Um, 
And you could just go on there and like post questions. And, you know, I, I post my build and that's how I learned everything about building computers was this little world that I created for myself. And now it's like, I mean, Reddit, in my opinion, is like kind of one of the last living uh, like explorers who can curate their own content that's not right. affected by those crazy algorithms. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the idea in that New York Times opinion piece was that, and I've, I've seen like so many other opinion articles and stuff about this, about like sort of this death of the um, interestingness of the web, right? Like <laughs> that everything becomes this sort of bland vanilla mush and everything's the same, right? That like we've lost some of this, some of the early like avant-garde feeling you know and people like i saw articles that were talking about like the original space jam website which is still live and available and it's amazing <laughs> you know it's like terrible ux of course but super super interesting and you think about myspace you know and GeoCity, it's like these just from a design perspective at least the way we think about it today terrible but super interesting you know and like anyone could author into it and anyway one so, thing I go ahead yeah go ahead <laughs> um one thing i think is interesting now is because you know at first maybe they thought this was going to be great because it's like personalized right but what it really ended up feeding into was this really creepy tracking that fueled all this advertising which it didn't start that way. It started as a, like, I mean, maybe I'm naive here, but um, my understanding of the original newsfeed is that it started in a way that um, was meant to create more stickiness and to use a modern term um, to keep, create longer sessions and to keep you on. Because if you didn't follow many people or even if your people weren't posting that frequently, there necessarily wasn't a lot of content for you to consume. So the idea was that they gave you similar content and more things that, um, that like for you to check out um, and potentially more people for you to friend and follow and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it was meant to increase engagement. However, to Alex's point, I think it, created a window into your life and the things you actually care about um, and created this, what we now are referring to as the death of the internet where um, you're tracked and, and your privacy is non-existent. Right. And like, that kind of like leads into another topic that I probably shouldn't mention, but I'm good at anyways, is like this idea of notifications. Like Facebook at one point realized that like, oh, you're not very popular. You don't have any friends or like nobody's liking or your stuff. They started feeding you basically what I call bullshit notifications. And there's all these apps that do it now on your on your phone. Like Instagram does this all the time where it'll pop a one over the app. And it's there's nothing as Sprint, Slack does this too. It'll pop a one over the app icon and it just wants you to open it up. And that one will go away as soon as you open it. But it's this idea of like creating engagement 
when it's not actually there. That happens Which, to me on Instagram a lot where I get like one of my accounts is a private account and I like, you know, mostly post like family and stuff, but I get notifications all the time when I go in and there's nothing, nothing. Yeah. That I would consider a dark pattern. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so the argument that all of these people in these articles are making is that the introduction of the newsfeed and trying to increase engagement was the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Do we agree with that? About engagement at all costs. Yes, exactly. Do we agree with that? I do, we do. I do. But like, okay, I have a scenario and like, so like advertising, like if you talk to like a modern advertiser, they're like, we're helping you out by serving you ads that are relevant to your shopping preferences, right? It's like a service they're doing for you. And it's kind of backhanded in some ways, but I ran a little experiment where like, I really wanted a cool dog collar for my dog. And if you go on like Chewy or PetSmart, they're all like hideous. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go open up Instagram and I'm gonna search for dog collar, do a couple searches. And then every time I got an ad that was even borderline related to that, I clicked on it. And I did this, I sat down and I did this for about two hours. And the next day, my Instagram feed was flooded with dog related collars and all this stuff. And I actually found a brand that I really, really liked. And I found a really cool dog collar and it totally worked. It was kind of a weird experiment. And you found it from Instagram? I found it from Instagram. So like, maybe it's terrible, but like at the same time, like, I don't know, some of the Instagram ads I have found pretty relevant. What so, do you guys think? Yes. I Instagram ads have pegged me and I bought multiple things that I first discovered through there or tangentially through there. I tend to actually purchase them by visiting the end location separately. Like I might click on an ad, look at it, and then close it and then go visit the company separately so that there's not a through line, but they don't they still tie it to me. Um it, so we're jumping all over the time frame here, but in current best practices, um, I saw something that was broken down and it was just broken down an Instagram story by someone. So I'm not sure if I can find it again, but basically there's something happening now where not only are they tracking your preferences, but they're tracking people that you interact with preferences. Um, and the easiest use case is your spouse's um, preferences. Um, so for example, they notice that the IP of my phone and the IP of my spouse's phone are often in the same location when we open Instagram. So what they will do is serve up things to either of us that the other is interested in so that we will bring it up in conversation, um, which is like, a whole nother evolution of tracking that's just creepy as hell. Um, so I think things have gone from engagement to tracking your preferences and arguably in the beginning, trying to serve more relevant content to you to sociopath influencing. 
of your your purchase behavior um, and your behaviors to now like using your spouse against you <laughs> and the people around you, your friend network against you um, to get you to to influence you to buy these things. Like, I really yeah, I read- wonder how many psychologists now work for these companies. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, and that's probably the, I mean, that's the challenge, right? And where I think the whole point of that New York Times opinion piece is, is that in a human mediated world, like there is no perfect solution, you know, but in a human mediated world, you can't get to that point. And that newsfeed like was the, the breaking of the dam, you know? Yeah. And so, um, to put this in context of time frame, so in 2006 is when they started to introduce the newsfeed versus the timeline that Alex was talking about. The evolution of the newsfeed happened in 2011, also in September, oddly enough. Apparently, September is when they ruined things. Um, but that is when they um, started with the algorithmic curation, was in 2011. Um, yep. And then, so before that, for five years, it was people saying, when people like this, they should also see why. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's interesting is like the human curation side of it, if you want to make an argument for like going back to that too, is that it truly was like you influencer, you know, there was no that happened to me on medium. Actually, there was one of my first articles that got traction was because a person with, you know, I think like 1200 followers on Twitter or something, which is not a lot, but you know, whatever tweeted it out. And that sort of set off a chain reaction that got, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of views, but it was because of an individual, not because an algorithm was, was publishing it, but that's kind of gone, you know? But was it just a person or was it because that person was tied to an algorithm? Well, that was before oh, okay. all of this happened. Yeah. Like 20... We're old, Alex. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily um, before the Facebook news feed, but it was before Twitter made the change. It was definitely before Medium made the change. That was the other thing is like Medium was like probably the most pure at one point. Well, I don't know about pure, but like initially medium was like a hundred percent like your feed was literally just like they had like the heart or whatever and it was only a single heart or clap no it wasn't even a clap at that point anyway yeah hearted and like that's what you saw so if i followed you alex and you hearted something like that would show up in my feed um and that's literally was the entire discovery mechanism but again they all of these things spawned out of the fact that like, okay, I came and I logged into medium and none, nobody I followed had a heart at anything. So there was nothing new to show me. Right. Um, right. So like, it, it's funny in this one article, they're quoting the engineering manager at Facebook at the time. Um, Mark Tonkelowitz, um, I butchered that, um, said of the newsfeed evolution with the algorithmic curation that it was your own personal newspaper. Um, and what they were trying to do is instead of giving you a newspaper that they gave to everyone, give you a newspaper that was only about the subjects and things that you care about. Um, so like 
the point I'm trying to make here is that I don't think there was malicious intent in the beginning. Um, the point was more engagement and more in, more things that you actually would care about. And I think there's something to be said. <laughs> this is like Skynet. Um, there's something to be said for product and UX people trying to make people's lives better and as a result, making them so much worse. Right, right. But are we like good ahead. intent? But are we, are we, should we just leave well, I mean, everything guess, alone? Well, hold on. I mean, I think, no, 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 wait, wait. What I was going to say is I think there is, actually, this is one of my, one of my favorite Medium articles that I ever wrote. <laughs> it's about? Shameless, shameless personal plug. Shameless is plug. about this idea that like over time, as a product grows and a company scales, we actually shift away from designs that are intended to make people's lives better. And we shift toward designs that are intended to make the business thrive. And that it's just sort of, I don't want to say inevitable, but it is this evolution that happens. Because really, if you think about the problem that you threw out, Michael, that the, that the newsfeed quote unquote solved was that I would come back to the app and there wouldn't be anything new for me to see. Is that really a problem for me or is that a problem for the business? Well, I mean, you probably have a problem with looking at your phone too much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's more of a, a business problem for sure. But I mean, at the same time, like if a member, a user wants to keep engaging with your app and is running into dead ends and you do have a way of surfacing more content towards them that they would find relevant. Is it just a business need at that point? I don't know. Like, well, I mean, I think the other argument that you could make is if you watch the, if you watch the um, New York Times video, the reaction to the news feed and the algorithm. And I can't remember if that is if that video is talking about the algorithmically driven version one or the previous, but the reaction was that everyone hated it. Right. But right. they saw that engagement went up and so they kept it. Right. So like the user was saying, this sucks. I hate it. You did not make this better for me, but they saw that like the business metrics were going up. And so they, in spite of a huge user backlash, they kept it. Right. And then Zuckerberg wrote an article titled, Calm Down, Breathe, We're Listening. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Thanks, Zuckerberg. Anytime you tell someone to calm down, that's just going to work out great for you. Um, but I can't remember what book it was I read it in. It might have been, uh, what's that? Design is Invisible or no, the best interface is no interface. I think it might have been that book. Yes. Yeah. There were, he mentioned how there was someone who worked at Facebook and he optimized the, the news feed. This was after it became an algorithm. Um, and he optimized it so people could get the information, the updates from their friends and stuff more quickly without completely, you know, destroying the integrity of the news feed. And what they found was that people were spending less time on Facebook because they were getting the updates they wanted quicker. So they nuked it because of ad revenue. Right. And 
And like that, in my opinion, is like going back to what you were saying about that's fulfilling the the, the business need. That's not yeah, for need, sure, right? Um, but yeah, advertising, huh? That's fun. <laughs> advertising ruins everything, is what we're learning here. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, like I just watched Wally the other day with my kid and like it's by and large in there and all the people become blobs and they just like continually are buying things in the by and large. And it's just like, Oh man, where are we headed? Um, this is why I brought what? up Skynet. Like we, we have the best intentions and in the end we're just ruining things for ourselves. Here's a question. So Twitter is, has uh, implemented or at least testing, I believe a subscription model which does what no am i imagining this well so i I will i'll I'll throw this out there while you look that up reddit has a subscription model and it's um one of the biggest things you get is an ad-free experience which i think a lot of platforms have tried to do and have been unsuccessful with like getting users to pay for social media just to remove ads. I'm not sure if that's the same with Twitter, but I, I have a feeling that it's not just removing ads and there's other fancy features. So this says Twitter today is officially launching its first ever subscription service, Twitter Blue. And this was on June 3rd. They launched it in Canada and Australia. In Australia and Canada. The subscription will allow Twitter users to access premium features, including tools to organize your bookmarks read threads in a clutter-free format and take advantage of an undo tweet feature, which is awesome because people have been asking for an edit button forever. Um, That's kind of like the magic of Twitter is you get to call people out on their bullshit and the only way for them to get out of it is they have to delete it and guarantee you somebody's already screenshotted it. (laughs) Right. It's true. Although I don't, I, you know, getting into screenshots, the integrity of screenshots is shouldn't be that high because all you have to do is right click and hit inspect element and I can make it look like anyone said anything. So interestingly, it doesn't say anything about removing ads. Interesting. I was going to say, so what does this actually change? It doesn't sound like it changes that much of the experience just gives you bookmarks and what is clutter free format mean? They're like, we are going to give you a better design. (laughs) That kind of sounds like maybe borderline ad free. I guess potentially. They, they're in a related article by TechCrunch that is being served up to me while reading this article. um, (laughs) It says Twitter requires distraction, distraction free reading service scroll to beef up its subscription product. Oh, there's screenshots, Jesse. Oh, yeah, totally. So what about... uh... Anyway, so this totally blows my comment out of the water. My whole point was going to be, if if we can shift people to start paying subscriptions, can we move away from ad-driven? But does that change anything? Because still, it's about engagement for them to continue. Well, that's what what Ello tried to do. That was a complete failure. I think it's still around um, for artists only is kind of who adopted the platform. Um, But privacy is a thing. And I wanted to bring this up in this discussion. So the whole tracking people, serving things up to you, 
that is a huge thing. And really a lot of tech companies are digging in against Facebook right now because frankly, Facebook's eating their lunch when it comes to ad revenue. Um, Apple and Google have both recently updated their OSs and both of the latest OSs give you the ability to control more privacy settings. Um, so on like iOS, you're able to say like, don't let this app track other activity that I do. Um, and the same with um, Android, um, Google's doing that now. So it's gonna be really interesting to see if that has an effect on these things, um, giving some privacy control back to the user. Cause Alex, on one hand, it's great that you saw like a bunch of ads for dog collars. On another hand, like I might ask my friend what dog color they use for their dog who's outdoors all the time. And that might be, might matter more to me than the convenience. I guess that's where I dig in on this evolution. I feel like we've engineered convenience um, and Amazon is largely a part of this too. Like being able to order something and have it show up at my door, like in 24 hours or 48 hours is a, is a huge convenience, but do I really need that? Like it comes back to our philosophy about days and how we spend our time. Um, should we, <laughs> oh God, I'm, I'm trying not to get out of smoke box here. Um, you know, the whole capitalism debate of like, you know, do we spend every waking moment of our day um, working towards a goal of making more money? And like, are we, like when I get up in the morning, I try really hard not to read my email as the first thing that happens when I wake up in the morning. Um, like, right. When I'm with my kid, I try to leave my phone in a different room or a different floor of the house even. Um, like, is this whole algorithmic debate back to like quality of life? Well, it really is. I mean, you're trying to, time is a finite resource, right? And the whole goal is to get, get as much of it as possible. Like all these companies, it's the same thing. Like everyone is in competition with everyone else, you know, because it's all about share of time. And I think that's the fucked up thing <laughs> is that like, we're all just like so many companies are just building tools to try to steal your time, you know? And that's, that's and what we're being told at a higher level is like, there are certain things you shouldn't spend your time on. You should hire other people to do them. Um, we recently had this debate in the parenting channel on a Slack group I'm on where like, should you mow your own lawn? Like, or is that something that's easy to contract out to other people? So you gain back that time and you can spend that time with your, your family or spend that time working. Um, and like, the counter debate there was like, some people are like, I enjoy like the manual labor and the like craft that I put into it. Um, and there's something to be said. What, somebody brought up the point that like, because of mowing their lawn as a kid, they learned like the benefit of hard work and that sometimes like putting in the hard work can be really gratifying. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think this is just a bigger debate, um, but it does come down to time for me. Like, is it a good thing that they're saving me time finding dog collars? I don't know. Well, it depends. You know, it's really funny. Um, who was it? Not to like, uh, it was Milton Friedman. No. Yes, I think it was. Who believed that capitalism couldn't last for more than 400 years. And the reason that he thought it would collapse after 400 years is that we would get to a place where we would basically move away from the need for labor. And we would, instead of like finding value in consuming things, we'd find value in like thinking about like higher pursuits. That was his like, his, his uh, prediction, but it doesn't seem like we're headed in that direction. And it feels like, like when we get more time, we end up either buying more stuff or posting dance videos on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, look what we did with the more time in the pandemic. People just worked more. Right, totally. Um, they didn't have commutes. So, like, if you look at the output of people, a lot of people, their output increased. Um, right. Some of us had less output because we have other hurdles at home. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. This is such an interesting debate about where tech is going like i don't know what's going to happen we i feel like we're we're approaching a cliff and i don't know what's going to happen in tech in the next couple of years right like, are are we just going to cut all of these things and go back to like people's privacy is their privacy and not tracking anything and what does that do for advertising and you know, like, do we go back to the Coke billboards that are like, your life is better with a Coke, as opposed to you just went for a run and it's really hot out, have this cold Coke. <laughs> right. Um, or is it like Minority Report where you walk into a mall and it's scanning your eyes and, and saying, hey, George, you haven't bought jeans in four months. Come in here and buy your size. Like there's yeah, such a <laughs> wide spectrum. Alex, where's your head at? Where, where do you think we're going? Well, my head is that, you know, bad things keep happening and the internet is helping facilitate some of these bad things. And this goes back to like all these ethical conversations we've had in that if companies can't self-govern themselves to monitor these ethical things and step in before it gets bad because so far we've seen them step in be very reactive to these situations and not proactive that eventually what will happen that's happened to other industries is it'll start be getting regulated by the government and things are going to get real muddy because if we saw anything from when Zuckerberg had to go in front of um was it congress right yeah yep you know they have no fucking clue what's going on in the internet congress is so goddamn like they they're like what's an advertisement you know like that's what scares me is like if we can't realize how to self-govern it so you know take care of our own 
privacy and take responsibility for what's going on, on the internet and on our platforms it's going to get regulated by the government and that's when things are going to get scary and like eventually as a designer or a developer like it could get so bad that you have to be licensed that's what scares me true um i mean to think about where all these rules and these things came from with freedom of speech and other things like you know this was a world where the worst someone could do with their opinion was stand on a soapbox in a town square and scream and yell about their philosophies and their, their reach was only so far as those people. Um, and now you have a reach worldwide, um, with click of a button on TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and anything, and it can be used for good or bad. Um, I had a bigger point I was trying to make. Um, (laughs) but, like yeah man like i'm gonna get magnetized because i got the vaccine did you guys hear about that <laughs> oh <Yes>. man <laughs> spoons sticking you know, to like, your face yeah it's just yeah and i'm not saying that like those people should be shut you know people, someone should tell them to shut up like they're allowed to believe whatever they want to believe but yeah i mean we're we're at a place where like some of these platforms are trying to regulate um on their own so that they don't end up with government regulation but then people are crying free speech and other things um and it it's you're exactly right we're in a very fuzzy muddy place um and i don't know where we head from here Um, i don't either but like if you like that hbo thing on 8chan like the definition of giving people free speech is scary it can be really scary right so so Jesse, where's the rainbow at the end of our uh, thundercloud? <laughs> yeah, I got a real dark. We... <laughs> well, one one rainbow is I have to make a retraction and a correction. I was off, and I knew I was off as soon as I said it. It was not Freeman. It was Keynes who said that about Keynes. Uh, okay. About uh, capitalism, we will post a link to that uh, essay that he wrote. Um, and it was 450 years, not 400 years. So I was off on all counts. So far, so far for that for that statement. So anyway, so don't ever listen to anything I say again. But I will fact check myself. So that's the rainbow is that I'm willing to fact check myself. We will always update our sources on our website if you're looking for accurate um, information. And by all means, call us out on on the web, on the twitters. Um, one rainbow I will throw out here is that none of this is like set in stone. Like it's all our choices, you know, just like so much of this stuff that is happening to us is because of the choices that we made and we can always make different choices. Now I know what point I was trying to make. Um, the point? point where I was going to come back around that was happier was the fact that to your point, Alex, the, some of the people in government are very disconnected to what's happening in tech and in the world. The only way these things change is if we get involved. So if you're passionate about these subjects, get involved with your local government, run for city council, run for mayor, run for Congress. I mean, like it's, it's not unheard of to be able to affect change. Um, There is a whole generation moving out of legislature and a whole new generation coming in. Um, and there's no reason why your voice and your you can't shape the future that we're moving into mm-hmm. right and i think that ties into what jesse was saying in the last episode about working for like these 
you know, you want to go work for the Googles or the Facebooks, but they're already making great things. Like they already have like a beautiful sculpture that they've, they've created and you're just making these minor, minor details versus like you could go work for this company that's got a big ball of clay that really needs your help shaping or a, yep. Create an alternative Facebook that uh, cares about privacy called Ello. Yeah. AKA you are the future. <laughs> totally. Awesome. <laughs> well, um, please subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes, Google play overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the Bubba breaker. We are still on there. Um, as always, you can shoot us topics or conversation on Twitter. Uh, you can also hit us up at our email Twitter. We are at Sprint UX Podcast. On our email, you can contact us at contact at UX, SprintUXPodcast.com. Um, please, please, please leave us reviews on the iTunes. If you leave us a review and shoot us an email, I promise you I will get you a T-shirt. Ooh, that's a rep us and prep us. That's Um, a pretty good offer. If you want to tell Jesse all of the things that he said wrong, please hit him up on Twitter. Jesse, where can people find you? You can you can heckle me at Harry Elefante. Let me know all of my mistakes. Alex, (laughs) where can people join in the thunder? If the algorithm likes you, it will show me your heckles. (laughs) Yeah. You can find me at Hoffmaner. Just mention me in your tweet to heckle Jesse, Jesse so that you can join I'll, in and pop. I'll, I'll, I'll retweet it. Awesome. Um, you can also find me at M Deucing. Uh, feel free to heckle me as well, but um, we'll join on the Jesse train if, if you uh, have comments about all of the wrong things that we quoted. Like Jesse said, we will link up everything we've talked about today. So check out our website, sprintuxpodcast.com, and we will see you all next time. All right. That's the show, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.